What is up? Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Utilization Report Debrief slash Sheesh Report. I'm Marcus Grant. Glad to be joining you here as we start 2024. Uh, Same way we're also wrapping up the 2023 fantasy football season. We have made it through 17 weeks. Still one more week left, and I know there's some of you out there still are finding ways to sweat it out through week 18. So we will help you get through all of that as well. But of course, as always, cannot do it by myself. Joined here at the start of 2024, the same men who helped me through 2023, Dwayne McFarlane and Ian Harditz. Gentlemen, good to see you. Happy New Year, Ian. I assume this is a great year to be great now. Absolutely, Marcus. We still go day by day. Great day to be great here. 24 hours at a time. But yeah, man, the 2023, you know, fantasy losses or maybe hopefully the wins are in the rearview mirror. Loved our, you know, meme over at the Fantasy Life Twitter basically saying, haven't lost a fantasy game this entire year, Marcus. So, so far, so good. Absolutely. Everybody is undefeated in fantasy in 2024, and uh, we'll try to keep it that way as long as possible. Uh, We got plenty to talk about on the show today. Going to get through uh, some incentives. We got some sheesh stuff, and of course, we do have some utilization stuff. In fact, uh, Dwayne, let's just dive right into that because it is incentives season. There are teams that don't necessarily have anything to play for on the field in terms of wins and losses. Uh, But Dwayne, there are a lot of players out there that could make themselves a little bit of a bonus check if they can hit uh, certain yardage or statistical standards coming up this week. Yeah, the first one is really Austin Eckler. You know, he reworked his deal this offseason, and one of the things he got was some different incentives added into the contract. So to your point, even though the Chargers don't really have a lot to play for, Eckler does. Now he's going to be facing the Chiefs, who also have a lot to play for because they're worried about their playoff seeding. But if Eckler can get to 110 total yards, he would get a $100,000 bonus. And the utilization was there over the last couple of games since uh, we've had Jeff Smith take over as the, you know, the interim head coach. The 66% snaps and 71% snaps in the last two games, 58 and 57% of the rushing attempts. So essentially, Eckler's had 19 opportunities and 15 opportunities in these last two games. Now, we know he hasn't been efficient, but... If he can get to somewhere around 17, 18 touches, he will have a chance to get that uh, 110 yards. So we'll, we'll hope that Eckler gets it. He's, he's been very nice to us uh, in fantasy circles. Another one, we'll stick with running backs. Devin Singletary, this one's a little bit longer odds here, Marcus, but he's going to be facing up against the Indianapolis Colts. Not necessarily great against the run. He needs 165 yards on the ground to get to a $125,000 bonus. With Singletary, we've talked about it before, but he's definitely the lead back uh, for the Texans at this point. If you look at all the games um, since we've had uh, Damian Pierce return to the lineup, it has been Singletary in five out of six games, truly leading the way, bogarting most of the carries on the ground. So it would be a big number, but I mean, if the game uh, somehow works out where it's close, I could see them you know, trying to give him a few extra carries to get there. But the biggest thing here, Marcus, is we just have two teams battling to get in the playoffs. So it's not like these teams need extra motivation. The Colts and the Texans, you know, they both want to be playing in the postseason. So they'll be playing hard. Then we'll move to wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. He needs 49 yards to get to a mill. I think D-Hop's got a good chance at that, whether we have Tannehill or whether we have, uh, you know, Will Levis under center. It sounds like it's probably going to be Tannehill. But then with seven catches, Marcus, he can get another 250K. If he gets to 75% of the snaps, 
he would get another 500K. He's at 72% now. So essentially, if he plays a full game this weekend, he should be close to that 75% of the snap. So that's one of the biggest ones we have here is 1.75 mil total in incentives here for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, 49 yards, I don't think that's going to get you too excited if you're trying to find someone that you're motivated to play in DFS, but we'll see what the prop market looks like whenever those hit. Um, two more quick ones here. Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know what to think about this one. This is really long odds, 185 yards to get 750K, but five catches would get him $250,000, Marcus. Two touchdowns, $500,000. So good luck on predicting the two touchdowns. Also, don't know for sure how the Ravens will play this. Maybe they'll have a, a little conversation with OBJ and tell them they're going to take care of him some other way because they want to be healthy heading into the playoffs. They have the one seed sewn up at this point, so we'll have to keep an eye on that one. And then the final one is Ian's favorite, Dalton Schultz. Ian believes this is the most talented tight end in the league, so I feel really good about this one. Four more catches, gets him to 250,000 yards. If he gets an, an additional two, he gets the six receptions. He gets another 250K if he can get to 60. So $500,000. This is the most achievable one out of all of the all, out of all of them that we have here. Six catches for Dalton Schultz. He would he would wind up with an additional 500,000 big ones in his pocket, Marcus. You got any incentives like that working right now, Marcus? Uh, I do not. Uh, I think I get like a... a you know, a subway coupon or something like that. If I do a couple more shows in a row, but I think that's, uh, that's about all I got. That's what you can <laughs> get. I can like lean on. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I did. It does explain though, why I saw a bunch of Instagram photos with Ian wearing a Dalton Schultz Jersey. Stop. So, uh, now I'm uh, a little bit cleared in on, on some of those things. <laughs> hey, Hey, all jokes aside um, though, all jokes aside so it, guys, very, very cool, you know, stuff here, but Dwayne, like how much of this do we actually think is actionable? Because let's face it, sportsbooks are aware of what's going on here as well. And just when I look at these, man, like the Hopkins one, that kind of makes sense. Titans have been eliminated. It's not that much further for them to go to actually try to get them those incentives. But like, do we really think the Chargers or even the Texans or especially the Texans, like they are in a must-win game. Do you think they give a single poop about Devin Singletary, Dalton Schultz getting these numbers? I feel like they're just playing the win. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I said that on that particular matchup, Indianapolis and Houston. Like, they've got all the reason to play in the world anyway. Where it comes into play is at an end of a game. And let's say that for some reason the Texans are just dusting the Colts, which honestly is very possible. C.J. Stroud is the by far the best quarterback in the game. It will not surprise me at all, like, if, if the Colts get blown out by 20 points in this contest. That's when it comes into effect. They're like, hey, guys, like, Schultz needs, Schultz needs two more catches for 250K. Let's get him out there. Um, the Eckler one is also a tough one, even though he has nothing to play for. I mean, Austin Eckler, he wants to get yards every week, but 110 is definitely attainable. But I, I agree with you, Hart. It's like with Singletary, with Schultz, the first thing is winning the game. And the OBJ one is tough. Like, do the Ravens really have a lot of reasons to want to play OBJ? Um, my guess is he is going to suit up with, with these incentives is he, if he has anything to say about it. Unless maybe there are bigger things uh, that we don't know about here, like as far as, okay, like let's convert these over to like playoff wins or something. That's what I would be trying to do if I was the Ravens. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch because as you mentioned, like some of these guys, if you're the Ravens, you've got the one seed locked up. Um, why risk some of your key people at this, this sort of stage? So we'll see how it happens. But uh, this is always kind of a fun thing to, to, to keep in mind, to pay attention to uh, as we get into week 18. Of course, before we dive fully into week 18, let's take one look back 
at week 17. And to do that, uh, Ian Harditz, as always, writes the Sheesh Report, which you can find at FantasyLife.com, checking out all the different things that you may not have been able to see. Look, maybe you were spending New Year's Eve getting ready, spending time with the family. So maybe you didn't get to see everything that you wanted to see uh, across the NFL. Ian uh, has that covered for you. So uh, let's just dive in first with the dropped touchdowns because there were all there were always a few every single week, uh, including maybe some, some bigger names uh, putting the ball on the ground in some key situations, Ian. Yeah, this is a tough week to be uh, going over all the sheesh, Mark. I still think, uh, you know, I got my keyboard checked out for the water damage to some tears and other things, that, you know, sadly going over there. But again, it did have a bunch of drop touchdowns out there that were especially sheeshful. Don't think too many people were crying about Kyle Juszczyk missing that 34-yarder. But Justin Fields' fantasy managers really should have had two extra touchdowns on their box score. Tyler Scott first let a 33-yard pearl down the middle go right through his hands and also caught a four-yarder in the back of the end zone. Could only get one foot down there so really guys fields i know hasn't exactly had the world's prettiest numbers on the season as a whole particularly as a passer but let's face it you know outside of dj Moore, hasn't had much help in that passing game all season long but also note chase claypool had a 30 yard pass right there in his lap before falling to the ground playing for the dolphins uh, these days if you forgot where the 2023 nfl drafts 33rd overall pick is at these days might even be 32nd i can't remember but regardless that is crazy to remember mvs also also had a potential 24-yard score go off his hands. Tyreek Hill with an 8-yard drop. Now, I will say that sum was very clearly in his eyes, but man, that hit him square in the chest. And then finally, DK Metcalf had a potential 5-yard score near the end of regulation go off his hands and fall incomplete. All right, so they're the guys that uh, sort of maybe frustrated you, especially if you had these guys, you know, in a championship situation uh, and they did not score or at least failed to score a touchdown. Uh, I'm sure it was very, very frustrating for a lot of fantasy managers out there. Meanwhile, uh, our friends who come up short, uh, down at the one-yard line, I'm going through, I'm not seeing DeAndre Swift because he's been <laughs> the king of that. But there's still a lot of guys that, uh, yeah, and they just could not find their way into the painted area for one reason or another. I know before this week it was Swift, Eckler, and Joe Mixon were actually tied for first with six such sheeshes. So the important thing to remember here is they did not score a touchdown on the same drive because, you know, sometimes you will see the guys get down to the one and then punch it in a few plays later. But yeah, guys, the overall list here, James Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Zamir White, Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, another Joe Mixon one, so I guess he would be first now, OBJ and Brandon Johnson, but two other ones that I did think were worth mentioning, we had Najee Harris go out there, played a brilliant game, don't get me wrong, 120 plus rushing yards and not one, but two scores, really could have had a third though at the end of regulation, but he pulled that, you know, just cardinal sin in the fantasy world of taking the Todd Gurley, Brian Westbrook page out and sliding down just short of the goal line to, you know, I guess get his real life team of victory and all that but didn't exactly help his fantasy managers at the very end there in week 17 so that is the thing about you know sheesh nobody is above the law of sheesh and that's why we got to bring up cd lamb as well fantastic game but could have should have would have had two touchdowns sadly fumbled the ball through the end zone so i forget who tweeted it but i will say the best argument i've heard about this because marcus as we know every single time a player fumbles the ball through the end zone social media is set ablaze but <laughs> hey so if that doesn't matter like some people say you know offense just get the ball back why do we stop there should safeties exist what if you fumble the ball out of your own end zone it's just the end zone right who cares it's a great rule stop complaining about it everyone i can say that i don't have the same level of passion that i think some people sort of do and like the rule is the rule 
that's just that's just a bye bite until then. But I did think about that. I also did think about how many people, uh, how many matchups changed on Najee deciding to slide down before he got to the end zone. I knew for a fact that that was going to end up in the sheesh report. <laughs> and I knew a lot of people would probably be frustrated by it. Uh, speaking of frustrated, unrealized air yards, Devontae Adams, who's had kind of a frustrating season, seemed like kind of, kind of a little bit of a frustrating day as well for him. I mean, it's just one of those things, again, where, yeah, you got your 126 and two touchdowns. You're feeling good about that. But then you read the Sheesh report and you realize how much more it could have been out there. So there were a lot of extra yards left out there on the field. On Sunday, specifically, week high, 143 unrealized air yards. So only Brandon Cooks and DJ Chark also had over 100. But I also think it's a good time to note that it's not always on the quarterback. Yes, I do think Adams and Brandon Cooks as well, who probably should have had a 32-yard score, sadly was overthrown. Those I think we can blame more so on the quarterbacks, but man, you start looking at some of those drops that DJ Chark had out there. Bryce Young was not getting much help out there in week 17 and honestly throughout most of the 2023 season, if we're being honest. But a few other guys who, again, did have a lot of air yard opportunity, just couldn't quite reel it in. Jaden Reed, Stefan Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, Devontae Smith, Michael, I'm sorry, not Michael Pittman, Justin Jefferson, and then the aforementioned Tyler Scott rounding out the top 10. So a lot of sheets there, Marcus. I know it's painful to look at and I know as someone that you know when I lose a fantasy matchup the first thing I do is check to see if my close start start sit decisions could have got me over the finish line to find out you know am I just a bad fantasy manager or can I blame my bad team for the loss so again one of these things that I do think helps us at the end of the day but sometimes all you can say is sheesh Sometimes that's all you can do. Uh, or you can go and read the Sheesh Report and say Sheesh a whole lot more. Go check it out over at FantasyLife.com. Ian watching everything in case you don't have time to. Appreciate it, sir, as always. Happy New Year. All right. Happy New Year. There goes Ian Harditz. Uh, by the way, uh, you know the New Year is officially here. And no matter how your team did, everyone gets to start fresh in 2024. We've teamed up with DraftKings, and if you're a new customer, you can take advantage of this fresh new offer they have. Right now, new customers who bet just $5 will get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Get your new year off to a great start by downloading the DraftKings app and sign up using the promo code DEBRIEF. If you're already signed up for DraftKings, you can get a no-sweat bet. Get a bonus bet back if your same-game parlay slash SGPX bet doesn't hit. There are max reward limits that apply. If you're a fan of multiple teams and want to bet on them all, you can combine multiple bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout. If sports betting is not yet available in your state, not to worry. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers who use the promo code DEBRIEF and bet $5 get $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code DEBRIEF only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, Dwayne, uh, as always, I know you were uh, hard at work on the utilization report this week, uh, getting through week 17, and uh, a handful of them, maybe not as deep as we normally go, but uh, for everybody else, you can go check it out over at Fantasy Life and uh, get the whole picture there. But uh, let's look at some running backs, because uh, it has been a frustrating year for Aaron Jones. He's dealt with some injuries. He sort of struggled running the football. But since he's come back from this last uh, injury, he has looked a lot better, had a big game this past week week uh, and and look I know it's late in the year I know it's not what fantasy managers wanted but he's actually looked more like the Aaron Jones you probably drafted at the start of the season yeah Jones has been 
doing a good job over the last couple of games. He's got 14 and a half fantasy points. Uh, that's his average over the last two games. But the big thing is 20.5 rushing attempts and is the average for those two games. And then, you know, he's not getting targeted the way we want Marcus, but still he had two target, a two target average over the last two. So it's not easy to decipher what's going on in Green Bay because A.J. Dillon's also battled some injuries since Aaron Jones has returned to the lineup. He was dealing with a, a thumb injury coming into the game, and then he hurt his wrist. So I don't know how much of a factor that was, um, making it difficult to just say, okay, Aaron Jones is completely back. But I think it is positive what we've seen so far. Now, on the negative side, Patrick Taylor is involved as well, Marcus. So this is now turned into a three-way backfield. Patrick Taylor over the last two games has 71% of the long down and distance work and 88% of the two-minute offense. So it's a situation where a lot of those sweet passing downs used to go to Aaron Jones, and that's an area where we know that he can truly unlock his upside. So we're not fully there, but it is a positive for Jones that they've gotten him to the you know, 20, 22 opportunities per game over the last couple of games. So I did go ahead and give him an upgrade. I do think, Marcus, I don't know what your thoughts are here, but every time I watch the Packers play, it's very evident to me that Aaron Jones like is so much better than A.J. Dillon. Like, he's just better than anything else they have. And I don't know how they don't find a way at this point. It's crunch time. You're trying to play. Uh, you're trying to get a win this weekend to get into the playoffs. Seems like getting Aaron Jones involved would probably be a good idea. You would think so. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really know why they keep trying with the A.J. Dillon experiment. I mean, besides just you know, every once in a while, Aaron Jones might need a rest. But I, I think in terms of trying to give him a, work, a bigger workload, I haven't quite figured it out. Um, he's not efficient. He's a plotter. Doesn't really add much to the passing game. I don't know. It, it's funny because all those years we spent saying free Aaron Jones when Jamal Williams was there. We thought maybe it was going to happen, and then A.J. Dillon comes in. So uh, this seems to be Aaron Jones' lot in life, and uh, I'm sorry for it, but I'm with you. I think, I think he's the better option uh, in the Green Bay backfield. Uh, meanwhile, the Packers – or not the Packers. The Chiefs have found their best option in the backfield, and that seems to be Isaiah Pacheco. I know we were sort of on pins and needles seeing if he was going to play this past week, and he played – uh, and you say, remember the Andy Reid running back thesis. Please uh, re refresh our memories on what that is. <laughs> well, it wasn't too long ago, Marcus, where whoever Andy Reid's running back was, you just drafted them early in fantasy football. Uh, and then, you know, things got a little sideways with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He wasn't able to live up to the billing. But this goes back to, you know, the, the Brian Westbrook days. Um, the Jamal Charles days, uh, you know, those two players happen to have this really big thing in, in common. It's called talent. Like, guys, you just want to keep on the field. Hasn't necessarily <laughs> worked out that way for Clyde Edwards-Alaire to this point in his career. But Isaiah Pacheco is another story. Who would have thought the seventh-round pick from last year, Marcus? But looking at Pacheco, in this game, we didn't have Clyde Edwards-Alaire available due to an illness. Jarek McKinnon is on IR. So we finally got to see... Andy Reid with a running back in this full-time role, 30 fantasy points for Isaiah Pacheco in this game. He had 90% of the rushing attempts, and he had an 82% route participation. That's the big thing for Pacheco. I think that's the question, not just for this week and if the Chiefs, you know, talking about their playoffs and what you may be thinking about for playoff best ball, that kind of stuff, but just thinking towards next year, like, Pacheco in an every down role, Marcus, um, I thought he was good in the receiving game. And in the two games this year where he's reached a 65% route participation or higher, he's averaged 28 fantasy points per game. So there's a chance that really that Andy Reid goodness is still just sitting there. 
um, from a standpoint of how he can uh, scheme up his running backs if we could ever get Pacheco in that full-time role. We'll see what happens. McKinnon's going to be out this next weekend. Um, Edwards Alaire, guessing he will be back in the fold, but Pacheco is by far one of the best playmakers on this team. We've got Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, maybe the ghost of Travis Kelsey at this point, and we've got Pacheco. That, that's it. Those are your dependable options. Otherwise, it's just, uh, you know, little trinket type plays. You're trying to create, you know, some uh, mismatches with speed with things like Darius Tony, who's been out, been missing time as well. And that also helped Pacheco. Let's be clear. Whenever you have uh, Kadarius Tony, who gets a lot of underneath targets, not playing in the game, that also helps because McKinnon was out as well. So Pacheco, though, he's a high end running back two with massive running back one upside. If the Chiefs ever decide to just really put him in this fully featured role where he also gets to play on passing downs. It sort of feels like the Chiefs have been kind of figuring a lot of the stuff out on the fly, right? That we get kind of midway into the season and they realize, hey, Rasheed Rice is probably our best receiver. Let's try to figure out ways to get him more involved. Uh, and then sort of figuring out ways to expand uh, Isaiah Pacheco's workload all at the same time. Um, you know, th- this has been a new year, I think, for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They're, they're not just running over people offensively the way they're used to, uh, but they're sort of tinkering and trying to figure some things out along the way. It's been kind of interesting to watch. I mean, maybe frustrating for Chiefs fans, for the rest of us on the outside, uh, kind of interesting to watch. Um, the Steelers, uh, they figure out a way to win. Mike Tomlin, another non-losing season. And along the way, Jalen Warren starting to get some more opportunity and get uh, some more production there. And uh, you'd like to upgrade him this week. Yeah, which we've liked. Jalen Warren, he's been a borderline running back too a couple of different times this season. But now he's really settled into this role that I think, um, you know, is, I don't want to say it's completely, we can predict it every week, Marcus, but it's just more steady. We know what they want to do with Jalen Warren. And over the last three games, he has route participation marks of 83%, 59%, and 81%. He's handled 97% of the long down and distance situations and 98% of the Steelers' two-minute offensive snaps over that period. And it's really been Najee Harris as a non-factor over that same time frame in the receiving game. So the Steelers have clearly pivoted uh, since the change in offensive coordinator to Jalen Warren as the primary passing down back. Now, he's given up a little bit. In the rushing department, um, we now have Najee, you know, sitting around 55, 60% of the rushing temps each each week. It was down around 50%. So I think they figured out that, hey, Najee, we're going to give him the ball between the tackles, let him grind away, and then we're going to get Jalen Warren in space. We're still going to give him his 25, 30% of the rushing attempts, but we're going to do more to get him involved in the passing game, get him out there for more routes. And so over this period, he's averaging 10.3 attempts and 5.3 targets per contest. And if you look at his efficiency data and you bring that all together into one picture, Marcus, based on the last 12 years of data, the closest comps for Jalen Warren averaged 16.2 fantasy points per game. So at first, you're, oh, 30% of the rushing attempts. You think it's not a real big deal. But when you, when you have a player that can get around five targets per game as well, especially in PPR and half PPR formats, you really have to take notice. So here were his closest comps. Uh, I, I love going down memory lane here. Here's some more fun names to start off. Ahmad Bradshaw. 2014, Marcus, 15.9 fantasy points per game. Had a very similar role, very similar efficiency to what we're seeing from Jalen Warren this year. Theo Riddick in 2016. Now there's a name, 16.2 points per game. I think we had uh, Reggie Bush last week. So Theo Riddick coming in. We get another Lions running back. Then Austin Eckler, we all know him, 16.5 fantasy points per game in 2020. So that's the easiest one for people to get their arms around. Think about Eckler before he was really in this full-time role. 
when he was a passing down specialist but still getting 30, 35% of the rushing attempts. He scored 16.5 fantasy points per game in 2020. And then everybody knows DeAndre Swift, the guy that could never get a full-time role while he was with the Lions, 16.2 fantasy points per game. So that's a really good comp group there for Jalen Warren, and I'm sure he's going to be one of the guys, Marcus, that we're the most excited to be discussing this offseason. Of course, you have another year at least of Najee Harris. So this is year three for Najee. The Steelers control him heading into next year, and then they have an option in the fifth year. I don't know that they'll be exercising that fifth-year option, but I think we have at least one more year of those two battling it out. But maybe, just maybe, Jalen Warren can take over. They are showing more and more faith in him at the end of this year. I've upgraded him to low-end running back two status. It felt like there were times during the year when he was ready to start taking over, and then for one reason or another, you know, Najee seemed to do enough just to kind of hold him off and keep that role in the offense, but it will be interesting to see what happens this offseason uh, and then heading into the 2024 season. Uh, in San Francisco, the Niners locked up the one seed thanks to their win over Washington and Philadelphia losing to the Cardinals. Uh, along the way, Christian McCaffrey suffered a bit of a calf injury. It's not super serious, but it is enough, Dwayne, for the Niners to say, hey, look, uh, there's no reason to play him in week 18. We also have the bye in the first round of the playoffs. So it means for the Niners, it's going to be the Elijah Mitchell show coming up uh, again against the Rams in the, the season finale. So I think that the, that alone is worth an upgrade, right? That he's the guy this week. Yeah, and I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the 49ers do with the rest of the team. Like how many other players are they going to rest? Like if we get no Brock Purdy, no Debo Samuel, no Brandon Ayuk, no George Kittle, then it's like, okay, great. Elijah Mitchell is going to be out there, but with who? Where's the scoring upside for the offense? Uh, you know, is Trent Williams going to be playing? I mean, I think there's an argument to be made. Like every time you look, any stat you look at, it's like, okay, the 49, maybe Trent Williams is actually the best player on the 49ers. Um, so we'll see what happens with those things. But if the 49ers are at least committed to having a few of those starters out there and trying to remain fresh, there's a lot of upside here for Elijah Mitchell, and we've seen it in the past, Marcus. When this guy's been given the opportunity to get at least half of the rushing attempts, he's a guy that we can count on as a low-end running back one. You might you can call it a high-end running back two, but he's got that explosive playmaking ability where if you give him 15 carries, there's a chance one or two of them can go for a big chunk play, and you're hoping that one of them is for a touchdown. We will still have Jordan Mason. I expect him to be in the mix as well. This last weekend, though, after CMC went down, they had both guys available, and it was mostly all going to Elijah Mitchell. Now, Jordan Mason did come into this game battling an injury, so that could have also been a factor. So I think I think both guys end up involved, but Elijah Mitchell is the clear uh, lead back this weekend. And if we know that the 49ers are going to you know, have some of their starters out there, I think we can feel even better about Elijah Mitchell. If it's all backups, it's just not quite as exciting. Yeah, I'm, I am curious as to how they're going to play this this week, and I certainly don't know anything as of yet. I just have this feeling, though, they may treat it sort of like that you know, one of those preseason games where you see Purdy yeah. and those guys in Start, there for a then. quarter or something like that, maybe a half, and then they turn it over to Sam Darnold uh, the rest of the way to make sure that they, they can put their stars in bubble wrap heading into the playoffs. But uh, we'll see how they play that one. Uh, in New Orleans, Alvin Kamara is day-to-day. -day. Got a little banged up last week against the Buccaneers, and uh, we haven't really seen a lot of Jamal. Williams this year but I suspect we may see a lot of Jamal Williams in week 18 yeah I think there's a good chance Kamara's day-to-day -day, the Saints are trying to win this game so it sounds like he's gonna you know he didn't get the week-to-week -week label so to me that means Kamara's gonna try to get out there this weekend 
Um, but if we don't have him, Jamal Williams was the, you know, the, the clear beneficiary of Kamara leaving that game, handled 82% of the rushing attempts once Kamara was out of the game. So there really wasn't anyone else getting anything. Taysom Hill got a little bit. Now, Kendry Miller was not active. Apparently, he's been really close to being able to get back to, you know, being active for game days, and then he's had little setbacks here and there. So we'll have to keep an eye on the rookie, um, see if he, you know, see if he can get out there. If, if, if they're both available and Kamara's out, then I think you probably see Jamal Williams handle most of the early down work, Marcus. Maybe Kendra Miller gets out there for some of the passing downs. Probably more in like that Jalen Warren kind of role. Um, gets 30% of the rushing attempts, stills a few passing downs. My guess is Jamal Williams would, would still keep all the long down and distance stuff. He's going to be the better blocker. But Kendra would have a chance to maybe get some of the two-minute offense, just depending on how well he's picked everything up. He's a rookie that hasn't had a lot of playing time. But what I would say about Jamal Williams, if Kamara is out, I'm upgrading him to a low-end running back, too. He's going to be he's going to be touchdown dependent. If he scores that touchdown, you you have a shot at a running back one performance. If he doesn't score a touchdown, you have a chance to, you know, have like 40 yards and nothing else. You know, so he's going to be like a, a running back four. So <laughs> Williams still comes with some risk, but he's a guy that we know that you get him down inside the five, Marcus, you give him his chances. He's going to have a good – he'll have a good opportunity to to punch in a score – but we also know that there's always that looming factor of Taysom Hill once you get close to the goal line. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to mention. I'm like, all those years, you know, a couple of years ago when he was taking all those touchdowns away from DeAndre Swift, wouldn't it be ironic if he gets close <laughs> and uh, Taysom Hill takes a couple of touchdowns away from him? That uh, would sort of be karma, I think, in some way. Uh, over in Miami, it was a rough day for the Dolphins as a whole. They got thumped pretty solidly by the Baltimore Ravens, but at least from an individual standpoint, a pretty good day for Devon Achan, uh, certainly in part because there was no Raheem Mostert this past week, but uh, also, Dwayne, looked like kind of a reminder of what Achan showed us that got us all excited about him early in the season. Yeah, 24 fantasy points from Achan this weekend. He commanded 59% of the rushing attempts, and he had a 14% target share. So this is a new data point for us. Uh, it's a game without Raheem Mostert, but you did have Jeff Wilson available. There were some speculation that it could be closer to a split, and it really wasn't. Achan led the way. Now, Jeff Wilson had his snaps, Marcus, but they just were not trying to get him touches. He Most of his stuff came due to the Dolphins not being able to stay ahead in the down and distance department. Long down and distance, 94% went to Jeff Wilson. That's where a lot of his snaps came from. And then he handled most of the two-minute offense with 67%. But HM was still the guy they were trying to actually get the ball to in the passing game. And obviously, he got his carries this weekend as well. So if we have a game where Raheem Mostert is out again, I think it's hard, Marcus, to have Achan as anything less than a mid-range running back one. I had him as my running back four last weekend once we had the news that Mostert is out. Um, I, I just don't think there's any reason to get too cute with this. We, we've, we've got a guy that we've seen can just pop off for 150 yards at any time. And he was doing it against the Ravens. Achan was not the problem. Against the Ravens. Achan was out there doing his thing. <laughs> they had they had other issues that caused this game to fall apart on them. But he was still highly efficient and still showing us that he can just break off these long plays at any time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what he is. He's a big play waiting to happen in the running game and uh, showed us how how productive uh, he can be when he gets a solid workload. Uh, starting at wide receiver, uh, you know, Zay Flowers. Look at Started out, he we looked we were excited about him early in the season. Midway through the year, he sort of faded a little bit, which tends to happen. But late in the year, he seems to be picking things back up. Those last couple of games, uh, he's made some really, really big plays. And right now, to me at least, Dwayne, he looks like the wide receiver one in the Baltimore offense. 
Yeah, and what's awesome, you guys can go over to fantasylife.com and you can check all this stuff out for free for yourself. But this is one where I love using the player comparison tool. And if you look at the Ravens since week 11, and that is when Mark Andrews left the lineup with the injury. Oh, guys, by the way, if you're drafting uh, playoff best ball teams, there's a chance Mark Andrews returns in the playoffs. So just, just remember that. We'll talk about Isaiah Likely here in a little bit. But with Flowers, since Andrews has been gone, and you look at comparing Zay Flowers, Isaiah Likely, Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham, that's who I put in. You can put in whatever players you want. It's your world. Uh, but with Zay Flowers, he's going he's gonna to come out ahead of all of them, no matter what you do here. 89% route participation, 20% targets per route run, 22% target share, and up producers are, are working on the fly here. So I'll go with the sample they've got. It's still good, Marcus, 25% of the targets. Uh, and then you've got, and, and if you go back all the way to one more week ahead, guys, you'll see the end zone targets, 40% to Zay Flowers. Third down and fourth down, he leads the team. So he's become the main guy with Mark Andrews out. And over that period, Marcus, the thing people care the most about, 17 fantasy points per game. So he's really finishing the season out strong, showing that he's a guy that can really lead an offense. Now, if we get Mark Andrews back in the playoffs, that's obviously going to hurt a little bit because the Ravens don't always need to keep the pedal to the metal. They've got a good defense. Um, they really do kind of play whatever kind of game is necessary to win. Um, if, if they need to open it up on offense and just show you that they can totally blow you away, uh, they will occasionally. We saw that last weekend. I was facing Lamar Jackson in my fantasy football championship, like the, the league I care about the most with all my buddies. I lost. Thank you, Lamar Jackson. I really appreciate you doing that. And I had Zay Flowers, uh, but he didn't get to play a full. He, he wasn't out there all of the snaps last weekend. He came into that game with a calf injury, or he would have had an even bigger day, Marcus, only a 54% route participation with him nursing uh, the calf injury and them obviously having that game sewn up uh, pretty early on. They didn't need to, to push it with Zay Flowers. But I have upgraded Flowers to a low-end wide receiver, too. And also just thinking ahead to next year for Zay Flowers. This has been a really good rookie class, and he kind of gets lost in the mix, Marcus, because we've got Puka Nakua, we've got Tank Dell. There's been so many big names just absolutely blowing up. Flowers hasn't done that, but he's been really steady. And in his own right, like putting up really good numbers from a standpoint of like uh, historical context, looking what he's done, looking at what he's done versus other guys and what they did in their rookie seasons and how their careers unfolded. So really excited about Zay Flowers, not only for the rest of this year, but heading into 2024 as well. Yeah, 2024 is going to be interesting because it's a, a full year in the Todd Munkin offense, uh, a full year of he and Lamar Jackson working together, and more importantly, a full offseason of he and Lamar Jackson possibly being able to work together as well. So uh, the arrow definitely pointing up on Zay Flowers. Arrow also pointing up on Demarcus Robinson with the Rams. Now, he did not catch a touchdown this past week, so it ends his streak at four games in a row with a touchdown catch. But, Dwayne, 10 targets, six catches, 92 yards. Uh, he is very much locked in as that third wide receiver for Matthew Stafford. Look, I know it wasn't the best game for Stafford necessarily last week, but Demarcus Robinson shows that he really is a big part of that offense now. Yeah, they've got a very diverse offense. Uh, can go to Demarcus Robinson, can go to Cooper Cup, can go to Puka Nakua. You've got Kyron Williams. But honestly, Marcus, did we have Demarcus Robinson on our bingo card for late season heroics? <laughs> I mean, this dude has wide receiver 20, 21, 24, wide receiver 15, and wide receiver 24 finishes over these last five games. I, I honestly... 
I, I still don't believe it fully, but the utilization is there. I don't know that he can keep it up just because he's never been a high-end target earner and he's played with really good quarterbacks in the past. So for him to suddenly just be this really good receiver, like it's it it doesn't seem possible. But it's not just all luck. Yes, the touchdowns have been a big part of it, but he has a 20% target share. That's a lot when you play with Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup with how much they demand. You have to be playing really well to uh, to get Matthew Stafford to look your way when those are his other two options. So I think it is pretty interesting to see what Robinson has done. Don't know that he can keep it up. Uh, he's, he's performing like a wide receiver too. I upgraded him to high-end wide receiver four territory based on his utilization and target competition. But clearly... Uh, you know, he's shown us that he can uh, give you the wide receiver two finishes when things are working right for him. Uh, but yeah, any any team that you can remember, Marcus, that has given us more fantasy surprises in a season than the Rams with Puka Nakua, an undrafted wide receiver in the top 10. Kyron Williams, the running back two, went undrafted in most fantasy drafts. And now to close out the season, suddenly Demarcus freaking Robinson, you know, is a wide receiver two. Yeah, and look, I don't expect that Sean McVay is going to get a ton of votes for Coach of the Year, but uh, he's done an outstanding job taking this team and getting them to the playoffs. Uh, as you mentioned, us getting some some big performances out of places where we didn't necessarily expect it. It's been a really fun ride with the Rams, uh, especially in fantasy this year. Uh, over to Pittsburgh, George Pickens. Uh, Look, he is a roller coaster in and of himself, but uh, we have been on the upswing lately. I mean, he had the big game a couple weeks ago uh, against the Bengals, uh, doing it again this past week. I know folks are really excited about the trajectory. Long term, we can talk about it. I still have questions about the Steelers' offense and their quarterback situation, but at least for the short term, Dwayne, things are very much pointing upwards for uh, George Pickens. Yeah, and he showed us early in the season what he can do, Marcus, with Deontay Johnson out of the lineup. The problem is he's never really shown us consistently what he can do with Deontay Johnson in the lineup. And perhaps all he needed, we didn't know, was just Mason Rudolph under center. You know, a guy that's been able to prove nothing his entire career, and now suddenly, whenever he has George Pickens, Mason Rudolph, maybe this is just the match made in heaven. I don't know, Marcus. Uh, I'm with you. I'm a bit skeptical about the future of the quarterback situation for the Steelers. But right now, in this exact moment, Pickens has 24% and 45% target shares over the last two games, unlocking 36 and 20-point fantasy uh, performances for the second-year wide receiver formerly of the University of Georgia. So, yeah, I think this is good for Pickens, even, you know, really thinking more about next year. But to your point, we got to see what happens with the quarterback situation. I would love to see, Marcus, if for some reason Kirk Cousins does not return to the Vikings, because I, I would rather keep Justin Jefferson with a good quarterback. Jordan Addison, I, we care about you too. Mm -hmm. TJ Hawkinson as well. But I think this would be the next spot. I, I would not mind some Kirk Cousins with George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and Pat Fryermuth. I think he could absolutely uh, get this receiving core going, and I think we would feel, I think, good about all of them. Dare I say we would probably have both wide receivers ranked as wide receiver twos heading into the season next year, and Fryermuth would probably be a low-end tight end one if we got uh, you know Kirk Cousins in Pittsburgh. I suspect that Kirk Cousins, if he does indeed leave Minnesota, is going to be a very hot commodity because there are a lot of teams that 
uh, feel like they're a decent quarterback away from really contending. And we've seen that Kirk Cousins could be that piece to kind of help teams uh, try to get over the hump. So Pittsburgh would be a nice spot. But I suspect that if uh, the Vikings don't make him a suitable offer, there'll be a lot of teams out there trying to, to lure Kirk Cousins into the fold. Uh, over in Houston, Nico Collins, uh, another nice game. Is it is it too simple to say that he just had his quarterback back, that uh, he and C.J. Stroud were able to get back and, and be connected again this week? Well, I think that is obviously a huge component of it, Marcus, so I do think keeping it simple is a, is a good way to look at it. I think the other thing with Collins is just his health. You know, we had he had the calf injury earlier in the year that he then re-aggravated, caused him to miss week 15, week 16, he didn't play the whole game. Um, you know, there were some game conditions going on as well. But this weekend, 71% route participation. So it's obviously still something that's hindering him a little bit because he is a guy that had moved forward and started getting, you know, route participations in the 84, 85% range after we saw Tank Dell go down. So I think he's still working his way back. But the beauty of it is he still had a 26% target share despite only being out there 71% of the pass plays. So I think if we get a full dose of Nico Collins, and, and why wouldn't we? We've got basically a playoff game between the Colts and the Houston Texans this weekend. Um, he's going to have a chance to absolutely blow up if he is healthy. So I look at him as a low-end wide receiver one, but he still gives you that high-end wide receiver one upside because we know that C.J. Stroud, to your point, Marcus, has that uh, ability to at any moment. Just go off for 350, 400 passing yards. And if that happens, you know Nico Collins is having a big day. Yeah, um, and they're definitely going to need him if they're going to try to get into the, you know, try to win this game coming up this weekend. Um, tight ends. Has Evan Ingram had maybe the quietest top five <laughs> fantasy tight end season ever? I mean, he had a couple of big games in there. He finally scored some touchdowns after having a long touchdown drought. But we're not necessarily talking about him week in and week out. He's just kind of steady, but... Uh, I mean, here he is. He is a tight end one this year. You like him as a tight end one this week. Yeah, I think he's a high end tight end one at this point moving forward. I think you got to talk about him in the same breath as uh, when you talk about Trey McBride for this season. Um, since Christian Kirk has gone down, that's been the key accelerant here for Evan Ingram. 26% target share, 9.6 targets per game since they lost Christian Kirk. So this offense, and we've talked about it before, but it's really condensed now around Ridley and Ingram. Obviously, when you have C.J. Beathard out there, it's not, uh, you know, it's not ideal. We could get Trevor Lawrence back this weekend, but even if it is Beathard again, it's just uh, Evan Ingram, he's getting so many targets, Marcus, it's hard to not grade him as a top six tight end. So, yeah, looking really good. And he never left the field on passing downs. 100% route participation this last weekend. So the Jaguars are another one of those teams that, man, Marcus, it looked like they had it all sewn up just as, as recently as three or four weeks ago. And now they've got to, they've got to make sure they win this weekend. Like, they're still in complete control of their destiny. But they've got to go ahead and put this uh, – they've got to get a W this weekend and make sure that they punch their ticket to the playoffs – and Evan Ingram is an absolute centerpiece to the offense. Yeah, I think to their to your point about the Jaguars needing to win, I think it says a lot when the reactions to them beating the Panthers was sort of relief, um, you know, because they really just needed to get a win after losing a handful of games in a row. Uh, they're sitting at nine and seven. They do got some tiebreakers, but uh, a win goes a long way. 
uh, toward locking up that uh, that division there. Uh, last one, Isaiah Likely. I know we loved Likely the moment Mark Andrews unfortunately went down. I've seen the memes about Likely being you know, 90% Mark Andrews. Uh, I mean, the way he's performed the last couple of weeks, he might be 100% of Mark Andrews. He has really been good for the Ravens the last few weeks, Dwayne. Yeah, the data tells a little bit of a different story. Uh, from a fantasy points perspective, yes, he has been 90% of, of Mark Andrews. And I mean, he's a, he's averaged 14.4 fantasy points uh, since Andrews has been out. Finishes of tight end 16, then he went for tight end 3, tight end 5. He had a tight end 21 finish and then tight end 3. But 4.8 targets per game, 17% target share. Not bad, but it's not great either. 85% route participation. Typically, 4.8 targets per game. Um, and an 85% route participation. You don't have to worry about the route participation. Like, just go with the targets, 4.8 per game. That's typically not enough to sustain, like, a high-end tight end one. But where likely he's really good is after the catch, Marcus. <laughs> I mean, this guy is uh, he, hes an athlete. He's good at uh, getting the most out of his opportunities. And he seems to just have a little bit of a nose for getting into the end zone right now. So he he's running hot, running pure. He's a player that I like. Um, I do think that the utilization and the efficiency stuff, you know, put together, he's a guy that you have to consider as that low end tight end one, maybe a mid range tight end one. But I think uh, looking at him as far as his long term outlook, like I, I think if he's ever a starter in an offense where he takes over, because obviously Mark Andrews is going to be back with the Ravens, I, people will probably get overly excited for likely. I, I think he would, I think he would have a chance to be a tight end one. But so far, like what we've seen in the data, really looks more like a low end tight end one than a high end tight end one. All right. Well, uh, I think at this point we will take a tight end one anyway we can find him. <laughs> uh, likely certainly fits that bill. Uh, but also, I'm, I'm curious, you know, how much maybe we see him this weekend too. We talked about it with uh, yeah. Odell at the top of the show. The Ravens have the one seed locked up. You know, how much they're going to put their players, their starters, out on the field and put them in harm's way. I think remains to be seen uh, coming up this weekend. So something to watch there. Also something to watch. Uh, the entirety of the utilization report. You can go over to fantasylife.com. Go check it out. Uh, go play around with the utilization suite of tools as well. Uh, look, there are still some things to play for in week 18, and maybe you're out there. Maybe you uh, play still week 18. You're still trying to get some points, uh, trying to win some sort of uh, extra bonuses for your fantasy league, or maybe you just want to sweat it out in one way or another. So plenty of things there to help you out with that. In the meantime, that's a good spot for us to take a break for this week. That'll do it for this edition of the Utilization Report Debrief slash Sheesh Report. So glad you could join us this week. Uh, shout out to all of you who won fantasy championships last week. Congratulations uh, if you were hoisting a trophy, wearing a belt, uh, cashing a check, whatever it is uh, that signifies your win this week. In the meantime, for Ian Harditz, for Dwayne McFarland, I am Marcus Grant. Thank you so much for watching. Enjoy the week, everybody, and we'll talk to you again real soon.